There's so much to remember. So hard. How do people what make did it that through professor this? Professor saying, professor I want to be a neocardiologist. Marular filtration rate, Bart pediatrics, geriatrics, but what's going to be heart rate, high fowlers, low fowlers. Some say that nursing school is the hardest thing that they've ever done. I'm Dr. Hobbick, and I am a passionate nurse and a passionate nurse educator, and I'm here to help. Join me on Nursing with Dr. Hobbick as I review topics and highlights from nursing school and try to help nursing students become confident nurses and provide the safest, best quality patient care that's possible. Hey, and welcome to Nursing with Dr. Hobbick. Today, I thought we would go over Parkinson's disease, some of the classic features of this terrible disease and things that you'll need to know to be able to take care of these patients. The first thing that should come to mind when you think about Parkinson's disease are the classic symptoms that we see. Those include rigidity of the extremities. This is also called hypertonicity. So the muscles are rigid. We see a mask-like facial expression associated with difficulty in chewing, swallowing, and speaking. That's because those muscles are hard to control. We might see some drooling. Those are going to be later on in the disease process. Stooped posture, a slow shuffling gait. They often have trouble. They have bradykinesia, so they have trouble getting that motion started. Um, we'll also see tremors, specifically at rest. The tremors are at rest, and they usually start unilaterally. So keep that in mind. They call it pill rolling when we have a coarse tremor of the fingers and thumb on one hand. It usually disappears during sleep and purposeful activity because, again, it's at rest. We want to focus on safety for these patients because with the trouble with movement, they are at risk for falls, at risk for injury. So safety is a big concern. I forgot to mention that, of course, they also have postural instability. And later on in the disease, we can see some lability of the blood pressure, so they have a labile blood pressure. We want to make sure that we schedule their activities later in the day so that they can get their self-care activities completed without rushing. We may need to encourage exercise. That's still going to help. A cane or a walker might be something that they need uh, an ambulatory aid. We want to keep the environment less noisy and just encourage them to speak slowly, clearly, and pause at intervals. A soft diet is usually easy to swallow. And remember, when we're helping somebody who's having trouble swallowing, we're going to ask them to tuck their chin when they swallow. Anybody out there who's an RD, uh, go ahead and put your comments there someplace so that we can see some additional swallowing advice. And then we want to make sure that we give them their anti-Parkinsonian drugs as prescribed. Classic medication would be Levodopa, which is um, the precursor to dopamine. So we usually give levodopa, carbidopa, and that medication can cause changes in blood pressure. So we want to make sure the patient gets up slowly, that they uh, allow themselves a little bit of time before they start moving. So when they sit up on the bed, let's dangle a little bit. Once they stand, give their blood pressure just a few minutes to normalize and then go ahead and get started moving. To contrast Parkinson's with Huntington's, Huntington's is a rare hereditary disorder that is is really characterized by progressive dementia and those choreiform movements, those uncontrolled rapid jerky movements. So we might 
uh, if someone is young or middle-aged with those signs and symptoms, they could potentially be confused or misdiagnosed with Huntington's versus Parkinson's disease. Parkinson's can also cause changes in cognition, including dementia and psychosis, in the later stages. We know that primary Parkinson's, which is when you have Parkinson's disease that's not caused by something else, that it does have a familial tendency, and it's associated with a variety of mitochondrial DNA variations. What we want to make sure that we know when we collect our data from the patient, time of onset of symptoms, the progression of them that's been noticed by the family, we want to make sure that uh, some uh people don't really think that these are associated with aging, that they're normal signs and symptoms, uh, but it's that unilateral resting tremor that is usually noticed first and in one arm, unilateral. Of course, if you developed Parkinson's, you could also have emotional changes like depression, irritability, apathy, insecurity. I can only imagine that I would feel any of those emotions. There are a couple of surgical options stereotactic pallidotomy, which is an opening into the pallidum within the corpus striatum. That can be an effective treatment for controlling symptoms. And uh, deep brain stimulation is the one I have the most experience with, and that is approved for treatment for Parkinson's disease. The electrodes are implanted into the brain and connected to a small electric device called a pulse generator, and that delivers an electrical current. Um, the generator is usually placed under the skin, kind of like a pacemaker is, and externally programmed. And this actually can help decrease those involuntary movements, that dyskinesia that's associated. It can also reduce the need for levodopa, the medication that I mentioned earlier, um, and it, it can help alleviate fluctuations and symptoms help with that slowness of movement and gait problems. So there's one final thing, fetal tissue transplantation that's experimental. Uh, as far as I know, and of course, highly controversial, ethical, and politically, uh, where the fetal substantia nigra tissue is transplanted into the caudate nucleus of the brain. Preliminary reports suggest that they do have clinical improvement with this in their motor, motor symptoms after re receiving it, but we don't really know long-term what will happen. That's all I've got for Parkinson's disease. Uh, thanks for joining me today, and I'll see you next time on Nursing with Dr. Hobbick. Hey, this is Dr. Hobbick. First, I want to say thank you for listening. This podcast is intended for nursing students to help them understand concepts that they're learning in nursing school, and maybe for students who just graduated and want to refresh on concepts, or nurses who just want to listen. Anyway, I do want to thank you for listening, but I also want to say that by listening to this podcast, you agree not to use this podcast as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others, including but not limited to patients that you are treating. I want to encourage you to consult with your own physician for any issues you may be having. They will be your best source of information that is accurate and consistent and uh, based on research and evidence. Again, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time on Nursing with Dr. Hobbick.